Welcome to the Ab Initio podcast series, a Bankless Legal Guild production. If you are a lawyer, accountant, or tax professional, you're likely getting an increased number of questions from clients about cryptocurrencies, DAOs, and the blockchain in general. The purpose of this podcast is to help you answer these questions by having our established expert guests discuss current legal issues and cases on a regular basis. The information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be regarded as legal or financial advice. And now your host, Mike Rabinovich, aka Comeback Kid on Discord. In this episode of the Ab Initio Legal Guild Podcast, I have the pleasure of speaking with crypto tax and accounting expert Kirk Phillips. For more than 15 years, he has provided tax and consulting services to individuals and businesses interacting with and gaining vast eclectic experiences from clients in hundreds of unique circumstances. Kirk has authored numerous articles about crypto and is the author of the recently published The Crypto Tax Blueprint, How to Avoid Expensive Crypto Tax Mistakes and Audit-Proof Your Tax Return. In this episode, we will cover Kirk's journey from the traditional finance world to the brave new world of crypto and the blockchain. He will discuss what he views as the key issues and potential monster headaches facing cryptocurrency holders when it comes to filing their tax returns. Kirk will also share with our listeners the criteria they must use in choosing the right crypto tax professional and much, much more. Welcome to the Bankless Legal Guild podcast, Kirk. Hey, thanks for uh, having me here today. I'm glad to be here. It's our pleasure, and I want to lead into this by asking you to share with our listeners your journey as an accountant from the traditional finance world to the brave new world of crypto, DeFi, and DAOs. Yeah, that's always a great question. I know everybody still loves to share their, uh, you know, their or, their genesis story, their origin story. So, uh, for me, I was actually heading back on a plane uh, to, uh, October of 2013. Grabbed the Wall Street Journal. That was my thing. I always grab the uh, Wall Street Journal, you know, when I'm traveling. So it just so happened that that issue was the breaking story of the Silk Road bust, you know, by the FBI and so forth. So obviously, you know, Bitcoin was involved there, but, you know, it was just kind of tangentially mentioned. And so that's actually the first time I actually heard the word Bitcoin. It didn't trigger to do anything necessarily at that time, but I heard about it. And then on or about, it was like the last week of, December 2013 or the first week of January 2014, that's when a friend, uh, you know, we basically got together at, uh, you know, we were at some event and they just said, hey, Kirk, we want your advice about some Bitcoin. My husband and I want to buy a computer and mine some Bitcoin. I was like thinking to myself, man, that's that's crazy talk. You, you, you know, you better go back and get your facts straight. <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course, I was the one who didn't know what he was talking about. But basically that single question essentially changed the entire trajectory of my life. And here we are, I'm 10 years later in my 10th year in crypto. And, uh, you know, I don't see that that changing, you know, for the next 10, 15, 20 years or whatever. So, because I find this space so exciting. So one of the lessons there is watch out because somebody could ask you a single question that could change your entire life there like that. So basically what I did is from that question, I said, well, I don't know, I'll have to get back to you. And then what I did is I ended up writing my first book, The Ultimate Bitcoin Business Guide. And I just, you know, as a result of that, just went way down the rabbit hole and just explored and explored and explored and did everything in crypto and still have been doing it that way. And I think it's just a combination of a few things like just being naturally curious, uh, having a just loving technology, uh, not not liking the legacy finance system and the, the 
perfect storm of those factors is, you know, my enthusiasm and just going way down that rabbit hole like that. So basically that that's what did it from the very beginning and then just simply morphed from where the accounting services and just shift to a full time, a full focus on, you know, a niche practice around helping, uh, you know, in the areas of tax and accounting, especially for businesses, also individuals. So that, that's my, uh, that's my quick and dirty summary. Thank you for sharing that. In your travels down this rabbit hole, were there any pivotal moments you can look back to that highlighted a need in the marketplace for crypto specific expertise in tax and accounting matters? Well, yeah, that's, that's a really great question. And I think that really just from the very beginning, even in 2014, there was lots of challenges just to deal with, you know, just managing the transactions, the software that was available. So, I mean, there was even in the early days when what you could do with crypto was essentially, you know, buy, hold, sell, right? It was fairly, <laughs> fairly straightforward. There was no staking. There was none of the other stuff. DeFi, no NFTs, none of that. But even even in the, let's call it the simple world at that time, there, it was still complex enough that it was it was quite rather challenging just to deal, especially from a business perspective, when you're trying to capture a, you know, create an income statement and a balance sheet and stuff like that. So really just recognize, I guess, early on, wow, this is, this is actually extremely challenging to the point of like, this takes like all of your, or my, my view, my, my experience was, wow, this, this is like, this takes all of my professional, um, you know, abilities here to be able to navigate this, you know, it's like the ultimate challenge is basically what it is. Right. And then, so basically it just roll forward from there and it's just actually the challenges continued because crypto has gotten more complex and therefore accounting for it is more complex. So it's really gone from, I think actually cha rather challenging to even more challenging. In your practice, I mean, in, in the way you deal with, with these issues every day, um, what are the most important things that come up on a regular basis that people should know about? So, yeah, that could lead us down a whole rabbit hole unto itself with, hmm. uh, you know, all of the, <laughs> all the challenges. I would say, you know, one of the things is that this is something I don't think pe most people think about. Okay. But crypto is an obvious asset. Okay. And we talk about securing you know, self, uh, self custody, right. Monetary sovereignty and all that kind of stuff. So we talk about securing the assets. That's an obvious part of the conversation. But the other part is, is that the data about those transactions is also an asset. Okay. So that just means like your trades, the transactions, right. All that raw data, whether, whether regardless of where it is, whether it's an exchange or, you know, you're using uh, DeFi or any of that stuff. So, this, the, all of that data is also an asset. And that's true of any, anything else, right? Like uh, just in the legacy sense, a company's IP, their documents, all that stuff is, 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 is also an asset. So the issue is, but people don't think about it that way. But what happens is when you don't have it and it's a problem, then you realize it's an asset and how valuable it is. Okay. So that's one of the key stumbling blocks, if you will, is, and I talk about that and I think we're going to get to that in some, you know, as we move through the podcast here, but you know, the missing transaction dilemma is, is a huge thing as a result of not being present to the fact that you have two assets with crypto. So both of those should be treated with, with care 
because like I said, if you don't, if you don't have those transactions and you're trying to deal with tax and accounting, it could be a major, major expensive problem. If you got a, a, a big gap or you got missing transactions to deal with. Can you elaborate on that a little bit when you talk about assets? I mean, how do you define an asset for the purposes of the Income Tax Act, which I imagine is what you're referring to? Well, yeah, I guess, well, in that, in that context, just to be clear, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of loosely referring to the uh, transactional data as an asset. It's more like, it's more like a metaphor to think about. Mm. You see, it's from, just from a entity's perspective, either a business or an individual. It's more, it's more like a metaphor when I'm talking about the transactional data being an asset. It's not like something necessarily shows up on a balance sheet or it's, it's just, it's more like a mindset Understood. when I'm, when I'm talking about that. In a recent blog post, you address what you refer to as monster headaches. Can you elaborate on these for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that blog post was uh, also providing a link to, that was providing a link to a Coindesk opinion piece that I did, which is called the uh, 1099DA reporting creates more headaches for taxpayers. And these are not ordinary headaches. They are monster headaches. <laughs> that's, that's how I came up with that. that <laughs> so, so what that means, first of all, there's lots and lots of headaches in crypto. Like just, I think the whole life cycle of, of, uh, you know, crypto management, especially on the, the tax and accounting side, the tracking and everything, that's already a, a huge challenge. Okay. But now we take this 1099 reporting on top of that. So you say, well, okay, well, what is that? That is the new infrastructure act requirements in the u.s for brokers to report uh, transactions that's gonna basically it's very similar to the way that uh securities brokers right now would issue a 1099b okay for any any trades interest in dividends and stuff like that so those same rules are now applied to centralized crypto exchanges so this is not this has been out bouncing around for a while this isn't brand new so much in the you know like this is like we knew that this was going to happen like you know a year ago but it's more like addressing oh wow this is how it's going to impact people okay that's where the monster headache comes from so right now these rules are deferred but they're going to be coming out okay and when they do come out that's where this headache's going to come in and so so how that magnifies the issue for uh, taxpayers and uh, you know dealing with their their tracking is the fact that you know, like in the legacy world, if you had, let's say, uh, three or four brokerage accounts, you know, they would all issue a 1099. Fine. That's how it works. They transfer information between the two, right? You don't do any tracking yourself. Okay. Now in the world of crypto, where we've gotten so far is basically from the beginning of time until now, you know, the taxpayer was relegated to doing their own tracking and tax calculations and so on. Okay, so it was their own universal exercise that they did themselves. Already challenging enough, but they got to do it themselves. All right, so either one of those, let's say, would, would work in theory. Okay, legacy model or this model here where the taxpayer does everything. But now what we're doing is we're combining the two. Okay, and that means now you're in the middle there where you, you're going to be responsible for doing your own universal calculation. Okay, you're still going to have to do that. And then you're going to have these centralized exchanges that are going to send these 1099s, you know, into the IRS. And by the way, this is the same thing. And if this type of similar uh, regulations happen anywhere else in the world, the same problem is going to arise. So it's specific to the U.S. in the sense that this is the new regulations in the U.S. But if, if this, 
you know, basically happens in other jurisdictions, it's going to be the same problem. So now you're going to have these centralized exchanges. You're going to make these reportings of your, your trades, uh, your proceeds and your cost basis. Okay. But what happens if there's going to, they're likely going to make mistakes because they're not going to have all the information. They're not going to have the cost basis. They may not, may they're not have the cost basis at all. Uh, they may get reported incorrectly. So now you're going to have where they've reported it. Once that gets reported, that's like written in stone metaphorically. Okay. Then you're going to have to figure out, well, what did, what did, is what they reported actually correct or not? You as a taxpayer are now relegated to trying to figure that out. And it's actually extremely challenging to figure that out because now with the software, like I said, you did one universal calculation. Now you got to do your own calculation. You got to do a calculation to try to figure out if what Coinbase reported is correct, what Kraken reported is correct, what Gemini reported is correct, and so on and so forth. Okay. And I mean, we could, we could go on and on for like, we could spend a whole hour even just talking about this or hours. So, and the thing too is, in addition, the brokers are most likely going to report on a FIFO basis. Okay. And if a taxpayer has been using another cost basis method, highest, uh, highest in first out or whatever it might be, um, you're not going to be, it's going to be impossible to reconcile one to the other because you're using one method and the broker's using the other method. Okay. And then, it, so you're going to have to do this whole reconciliation calculation exercise on top of the, all the challenges that already existed and then try to figure out, okay, are there, are there differences? Are there mistakes? And if it is, and you got to report it on your tax return and make adjustments and on and on and on. So that's a huge, that is why I'm saying that as a monster headache. That's a perfect segue into my, my next questions. Before I get there, Kirk, is the onus on the taxpayer to do all these calculations and reconciliations to make sure that the right information gets filed? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's on the taxpayer. And as I mean, as a matter of fact, the it's always that way in general um, for U.S. taxpayers and many other jurisdictions. But basically, like in the U.S., the it's basically a voluntary tax reporting system. Okay, so even though you have third parties that will report, you know, information on your behalf, because the reason for that is then the IRS in this example would do information matching because they said, you know, ABC submitted this information. Did the taxpayer submit the same thing? It's a, it's a, it's a double check. So the taxpayer already has a responsibility around voluntarily reporting everything. So that also includes the crypto piece. And so if, if a taxpayer... You know, if a taxpayer wants to make sure that they're not, the stuff's not being double counted, it's basically either you're going to have a double counting issue or an emissions. Okay, that that's the key takeaway here with this problem that I'm talking about, right? This monster problem. That's it. You're going to have double counting or emissions, and both of those are a problem because what it means is you're either going to overstate or understate taxes, and both of those are a problem. So you could do nothing and, you know, not, you know, just report everything as it's reported by the broker and not do the checks. But, you know, like I said, you could be, uh, you know, you could be under-reporting or over-reporting. So really to make sure that everything's accurate and you're paying the least amount of tax possible, you kind of get forced into doing all this extra work. So the, the need for a crypto tax professional is, I think, clear to anybody listening. When you are looking for one, what are the key attributes you recommend looking for? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. So there's several things in that area. And um, what I would say is, yeah, I've, I've, I've even uh, writ I've written a two-part series on that. Uh, so the first thing I say is something I call list illusion. And that is where 
you'll see a lot of the, there's a lot of directories that are out there. As a matter of fact, a lot of the crypto tax, tax software will have their own directories, okay, built in to the, you know, I would say a majority of them have that, right? So if you go to whatever the crypto tax software is somewhere on their site, they're going to have a directory of accountants and so on. So, but so what happens like anything else in the world when there's a new, uh, exciting, uh, you know, in, innovation and so on, you know, like we have with crypto, that means there's a new revenue source. And of course, every business, you know, wants to increase revenue. So they say, all right, you know, CPA firms like, all right, well, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a new area that we can monetize on. So sweet, let's get into the game and, you know, we create some, <laughs> let's, call, let's call ourselves crypto tax experts because, you know, there's a lot of demand for it. So I think there's just a lot of people that are like getting on this list. And I think just the fact that when, when uh, somebody's looking at a list, they're thinking they automatically default, oh, if somebody's on this list, that must mean they're, a, a, you know, very qualified crypto professional. So you got to look deeper than that. It's not just being on the list. That's a good place to start is, is, is that list, but you gotta, you gotta really dig deeper. So after finding those lists and so forth, you know, one of the things that you're going to see is that there's certifications out there and what I'm not, and I'm not talking about like CPA or like a CA certification, which that would be important because CPA is the gold standard, you know, chartered accountant, that's the equivalent in other, uh, you know, other areas around the world. Um, so I think you definitely want to look for that. Now that's not to discount others to say that they're not, um, qualified, but that's certainly, there's a, there's a kind of a built-in level of expertise, you know, you're going to get when somebody has that, that gold standard. But what I'm also talking about here is that there's some of these like, uh, you know, certified crypto tax professional type stuff that people have created. And, um, so, and again, not to, not to discount those, but you know, it's like, okay. So you could, you could basically take somebody who's a, an accountant that's been around, they go take that course and say it's like a three or four hour course. They get the certification, they plaster, plaster it on the website. And then somebody goes looking for it, a, a prospective customer. And it's, oh, look, this guy's got this certified badge. Cool. He must be an expert. Well, he's been in crypto for a total of what? Four hours. The time that he spent getting the certification. You, you, get, you get me? So that's why. The thing is, that's why I say it takes one to know one, right? Like you got to be in crypto to understand crypto. You got to use crypto to get crypto. That's that's the bottom line. This is an experiential thing. You can explain it, uh, how awesome it is, and it's only going to land so deep on somebody and say, oh, that's amazing. But when you use it, that's when you go, wow, man, this is this stuff is awesome, you know? So you need, that's the kind of person you need. You need a, you really need like a crypto power user, a crypto OG is, is going to be the, uh, I, the ideal, uh, professional to go for. And I'd say there's still a fairly, uh, short list, you know, but it's, it's expanding. So again, that's, that's one thing. And, and, and so it's going to be pretty obvious. In other words, when you're looking at a, a firm, especially like, uh, smaller, uh, you know, smaller groups, smaller firms who offer these services, like it should, it should pretty much be obvious that it's like, you know, this is what we do. We specialize in this. Like we are crypto tax specialists and we don't do anything else. There's those, that's kind of what you want to look for. Because like I said, if you going back to that list thing I was talking about, if you look on a list and then you click on somebody's site and you don't see anything about crypto, it's like, oh, they, they didn't even add a, you know, not even a new tab or anything. A lot of times it's like, it's pretty obvious that it's like, that was the one who all they wanted to do was throw up a shingle and try to get in the game. Right. So 
it, it's it's pretty easy to identify that somebody's site is screaming, you know, we do we do crypto. And people will put it on there. They'll you know they'll be some of the same messaging I'm talking about. You know, you got to be in crypto to understand it and all that kind of stuff. You know, we specialize in this. You know, we are OGs, etc. You'll see all that messaging on the site, and and is it, so in that sense, it's kind of easy to identify. And so those are some points there. And let's see, um, what else? You know, there's a lot of lot of little nuances to it. But you know, the thing is, expect to pay a premium. There's definitely a premium on these services. Tax in general is a highly commoditized service, and about it's all about lowering, you know, offering the lowest price available. Your H and R blocks of the world, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, you know, that's all broadly speaking, but. In crypto tax, there's no doubt a premium. So if anybody has not worked with a professional, you can expect to pay far, far and above what you, if you know, your non-crypto version of your tax return, <laughs> you know? So, and, but the other thing too is not only that, but because it's so time intensive that it takes a lot of bandwidth and it takes people a long time to get up to speed or to find people who are capable of dealing with the crypto tax piece. So what I've seen is that there's also some folks that are like, you know, we're not taking any new clients right now. So you might find one you think is great, but they're not taking a new client or you might have to get on their waiting list. So really basically do start doing due diligence as early as possible in the game. That leads me to my next question, Kirk. And what is your advice to someone who has been in crypto, understand crypto and has owned assets for a while, but has not addressed the tax or accounting issues to date? Well, the thing is to start start addressing it. You know, this area, industry, if you will, is uh, under more scrutiny by tax agencies, and that's you know, all around the world. So certainly uh, start start addressing it, start dealing with it. I, I will say one thing about that, um, if anybody's in that situation, what's interesting is that it's not unusual. There's a lot of people in that situation. So if you're feeling like, you know, you're in the minority, uh, I'm not going to say it's a majority of people, but I'm saying it's very, very common that people have multiple years of issues and they need to like sort stuff out and deal with it. You know, you've also got situations where people have done stuff and maybe they figured out later that they didn't do it right. And, you know, it's all a whole array of different things, but, you know, start to, uh, start to deal with it. I would say certainly if that's the case, then you're, it's that, that was where I would say the scales would tip towards seek out a professional because then someone can look at the whole, the totality of the picture and kind of assess how to solve the whole thing and what the risk is and, you know, all those different things. So, yeah, if you got, if you're looking, if you're trying to do catch up, look at multiple years and got a multiple issues, that's where I think a profession would even be more valuable in that area. Let's look at the flip side of that. What best practices do you recommend for someone who is just starting to invest in crypto and has not owned any crypto assets yet? Yes, that's that's uh, great to point out. Yeah, the flip side. The flip side is, again, you know, same messages to get into action. But, uh, you know, people who are just getting started have the advantage to not get themselves behind the eight ball. So I always like to see when people are, you know, they've just gotten into it and they're actually asking all these kind of questions and they're, having an inquiry, you know, what software do I use and where do I go? What do I need to do? And they're, they're ahead of the game. So that's one of the big things to, is to start doing is to 
you know, get educated on it, but certainly start start deploying some software and even use more than one software. You know, I, I, I know some people that, you know, they're like, hey, I, I actually tried out, you know, took my data and I, <laughs> I tried out like eight different platforms. I wanted to see how they all performed. And I'm not saying necessarily do that many, but, you know, maybe do one or two or three because, you know, again, we, there's a, that's a whole realm unto itself is how to choose crypto tax software. So, you know, it could be that based on your use case, there would be soft, you know, one of the software providers actually has more support for your particular wallet or exchange or whatever, you know, blockchain and stuff like that. So you kind of got to figure that out or you can go down the wrong path. So really, really just start testing this stuff out early in the game. You recently published a book titled The Crypto Tax Blueprint, How to Avoid Expensive Crypto Tax Mistakes and Audit-Proof Your Tax Return. So first off, congratulations. That's a, that, that's a lot of work. But given the amount of work that had to go into this, what was the goal for the book? And what are the key messages? And last but not least, where can our listeners get a copy? Yes, thank you. That's uh, the second book I've done. And I got to tell you, it's... <laughs> It's uh, amazing how much work uh, goes into a book and how much detail, and I'm an extremely detailed person, and uh, just how much detail it takes. Uh, everything from the content to the covers to this to that. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of work, so thank you. But um, yeah, and this can also tie back into your prior question too, you know, about uh, where to get started. Because I, I, I guess also with that is, it's not just on the tax side, it's like where to get started in general, because you really got to deploy best practices across the board, which is to, you know, all the way from security to, um, you know, just the whole life cycle, everything in crypto. It's not the tax is just one piece of that, right? There's a lot of things to learn because you can make a lot of mistakes across the board and like losing assets could be one of the big mistakes, right? Of course, losing data could be another one. But um, anyway, yeah, so, uh, so, you know, the goal of the book was just to really distill nine, nine, ten years of, uh, you know, crypto intel, specifically in this case, in the area of tax into something that would be usable, usable for, for people. So, you know, one of the key things I did was to make something that is, you know, could be otherwise extremely dry content and to try to, you know, provide some golden nuggets that are actually enjoyable to consume. Basically what it did is distilled it down into where we have 72 key takeaways, 47 pitfalls to avoid and 61 examples in this book. So that's a, the total of all those is 180 golden nuggets. So you've got the content, but then you've got, you know, little boxes that self-contain these key takeaways. And even just reading that, you know, just going to the boxes and reading that, I mean, is, is, is priceless. So I, you know, I would assert that somebody has got to be at a minimum would have three, if they got three, any three of those out of 180 that were uh, gold nuggets that somebody could take away, that that would be so valuable to them. It would be worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in value about, you know, something that they can implement that would help themselves or to avoid a pitfall. So, like I said, like to me, there's a process to this. OK, because everybody most of the most of the talk about tax is like, OK, well, how do I tax this and how do I tax that? How is that? How is staking taxed? How is this taxed? You know, how are airdrops taxed? Uh, how do I deduct losses? Whatever. Or what, what type of loss is deductible? All that stuff. Well, there's a whole lot you got to do before you even get to that point. So like I said, there's a whole life cycle and a process to it. 
And I think just like I just said, just uh, pointing out these 72 key takeaways and 47 pitfalls will show you that this is not, you know, this is not just an easy game. This is not just link up some addresses and connect some exchanges and hit calculate. There's a whole lot more to it than that. So mm-hmm. uh, that's why it's just really important. If only. To, yeah. People to just, yeah, just get the really follow a process, you know, CYA, like I say, cover your ass and your backup documentation. And this is all the stuff we talk about in the book. And that's, that's why I even, that's why I even came up with the subtitle, right? It was just, you know, how to avoid expensive tax mistakes and auto proof for tax returns. That's kind of the thing that it's kind of the pain point that speaks to people. <laughs> so, you know, and now, I mean, there's always, you know, we've got some supplemental material in here as well, which is so even that, even that unto itself is, is, is valuable where we've got some several spreadsheets, like a tracker spreadsheet, which I talk about in the book. Again, you got to, you know, just tracking stuff, um, tracking the life cycle, uh, and, uh, you know, like a gains worksheet that's in there where you can track your gains. And you can also do that if you're trying to, and back in the example where you got multiple years you're dealing with and trying to figure out how to, how to solve that. You could look globally at several years at the same time, different cost basis methods. Um, there's also some proofs in there because we have a chapter, we talk about the missing transaction dilemma, which I just talked about and how expensive that can be. Like if you got missing transactions, that's one of the most challenging things for taxpayers. And then the thing is, how do you forensically reconstruct a hole in your crypto transaction landscape? Right. And so we give several examples and actually have a a couple of proofs in there that say, here, here's some different ways to think about it. And, and uh, every situation is going to be different, but like, you know, just a proof worksheet on that. So, and then of course, you know, by getting the uh, supplemental material in that case, you would get access to being able to have follow-ups on, um, you know, developments and actual tax uh, regulations and stuff like that. So for example, uh, I've been involved with the AICPA's virtual currency task force, uh, which has been great. So basically the goal there is to create comment letters to the IRS and say, Hey, we think this should, we need, we either need clarity on this or we need, uh, or we think this is the way that this crypto tax application should be handled and stuff like that. So like once, so for example, you know, those are, uh, you know, I think there's going to be, there's a new one coming out on losses that's going to be published, I think, uh, any day now, for example. So that's the kind of stuff we would also supply is, hey, you know, because I, because I'm in that realm uh, and I'm on that uh, panel or that group, you know, that working group, that that would be a good thing to be able to send out to taxpayers is, is like here, here's the latest developments on what, uh, you know, what the thought process is on how stuff is treated. So you do get, so you do get the, uh, you know, the actual tax treatment and stuff. But again, uh, if you just look at one of these comment letters, like I'm talking about, it'll just make your, your head explode. Just not, like the one that's coming out is on how to deal with crypto losses. And it's just like, it's an 18 page document just on losses. And you can see how complicated that is. And that's just, that's just for the U S tax application and take all these other places around the world. So it, and stuff's changing so fast and evolving. I mean, it will be impossible to actually capture all these things, you know, in one place because it, it's going to be a long time until all these things shake out over time. We're going to end up having likely some precedent set from court cases. And, you know, that's how it happens in tax law. Anyway, eventually you have, you have court cases that are, you know, 
kind of distinguish something. Say when you're looking for clarity, you might not get it in like a, like a regular, let's say regulation, if you will, the clarity might come from a court case. So, um, yeah, the goal was, was really to, uh, distill all that into Intel down into something that's extremely valuable and easy to consume. Sorry, you mentioned the acronym over the working group. Just for our listeners, what what is that group? What what organization does that working group belong to? What's the full name? Yes. Uh, so the what I was mentioning is the AICPA is the premier trade group for uh, for uh, CPAs and chartered accountants around the world. They actually the the acronym the words changed, but the acronyms stayed the same. It used to be called like the um, it was the, uh, American, um, Institute for certified public accountants. And now they changed the name of it. But anyway, it's the largest trade group for CPAs in the world. And, uh, so they've had a virtual currency task force, which now they call the virtual currency and digital asset task force. And so that, that this is, this is like a pay it forward thing, right? They'll have some AICPA staff and then it's largely practitioners or experts who come together and are like doing a pay it forward thing. Right. So again, the main thing is to be a liaison between tax professionals and the IRS and to be the, be the really be the voice, the voice for the professional, the voice for the taxpayer. It's an advocacy group. Yes. The last question that I want to, you know, put to you uh, as we close our podcast is where can our listeners find out more about your services and other publications, including the blog specifically? Yeah, thanks for asking. So, uh, just to also to close the loop on the book, the it, it's available on Amazon. Okay, so it's been published in ebook and also paperback and hardcover. All right, and also I'd like to give a mention to the very talented uh, Stephanie Murphy, who may many may know as one of the uh, podcast hosts on the long-running Let's Talk Bitcoin uh, slash Speaking of Bitcoin podcast that started back in uh, 2013, which I, is, I think it's actually, they're closing it down. But nonetheless, she's, many people may know Stephanie Murphy from there, and she's also a voice uh, actress, a voice talent. And so she did the audiobook for the, my first book. She just did the audiobook for this, and that's about to be published. And she does really an amazing job. So would love people, if people have an interest in this, would love to see them certainly support the audiobook because she does such an excellent job on that. But anyway, that's that's that. But uh, resources are at the Crypto Bullseye Zone, CryptoBullseye.Zone. Uh, that's kind of where we put these resources out, and uh, that's that's really the best best place to go is get on the uh, just you know opt into the blog there, and that's where we send out you know I think highly valuable golden nuggets on a weekly basis, and we just started firing that up again over the past month well i encourage everybody to sign up tons of valuable content really appreciate the time you took to spend with us today kirk and uh signing off on behalf of the bankless legal guild podcast thank you so much thank you appreciate it we want to thank bankless dow for supporting this podcast If you enjoyed this episode, please like and share on your favorite podcast streaming platform and Twitter at BanklessDAO. Questions, comments, suggestions? Please join us in the BanklessDAO Discord server and post on the general legal channel 
or DM our host, Mike Rabinovich, at Comeback Kid. Till next time.